So, journey, what is that about? Well, how many of you are new here at Tyndale this year? Yes, welcome so much. So you are definitely on a journey of new beginnings, and maybe you felt like Bilbo sometime this summer or the day you arrived here, but here you are. You are on a journey, and we are on a journey with you. The beginning of our journey is something that I am going to be talking about today. And as we think about journeying, I want to show you a picture. What are these people? Yes, this is an interactive chapel. What are these people? Tourists. How can you tell? Camera, good clue, backpack, a map or a guidebook, a kind of strange environment maybe. It doesn't look like where they normally are. They are tourists. And what is a tourist about? A tourist is about experiences. A tourist is about what do I want to see, feel, do, taste today. A tourist is about making choices that make me happy today. I've, I'm away from the time where I have my obligations and the things I must do, and now I can make choices, and the choices focus on myself. They focus on feeding me, making me happy, whatever it is. Now, some people are spiritual tourists. In fact, there's a book called The Spiritual Tourist by uh, Mark Mick Brown. And Mick Brown calls himself a spiritual tourist who goes around experiencing different things. He gets uh, blissed out in the Himalayas, and he joins this beautiful girl in Germany who's supposedly the Blessed Mother, and he uh, finds places in India where miracles are going on. And this is his quest. It says in the review, Mick Brown joins the holy, the lost, the wise, and the foolish on the highways and back roads of spiritual tourism. The spiritual tourist is on a voyage of inner search and illumination. Doesn't sound too bad, does it? I mean, inner search and illumination, it's better maybe than not searching at all. But the point is that a spiritual tourist thinks that he can go around to all different places and, and just take in whatever pleases him or her and make up their own package of spirituality. And that's why they're not religious, but they're spiritual, because all they're doing is searching for inner experiences and illumination, and it's still all about me. I give you, instead, a biblical image of people on a journey. These people are pilgrims. They are pilgrims, and they are not tourists. What are the characteristics of pilgrims? Pilgrims have a destination in mind. They're not just short-term stay, go, go back home to my routine. They, are, they have a destination in mind. And they see it as a mission. And therefore, like Sam and Frodo, they're on a mission, and that mission is going to take them through good times and bad times. They know there are challenges in this mission, but they are committed to it because they are pilgrims, not tourists. And they, 
That is so because they are pursuing a quest not inside, not my own spiritual experiences, not what I feel like doing today and tomorrow I'll do something else, but because they're on a quest and the quest is a calling beyond themselves. It's not just making me happy, it's living for a greater good, for the kingdom of God, if you will. Spiritual pilgrims. To use for our journey series, we're turning to the book of Psalms. There are specific Psalms 120 to 134 that are called the Psalms of Ascent. The Psalms of Ascent? Yes, the Psalms of Going Up. It's thought that they are collected together as a group of Psalms that the people of Israel used as they went to some of their annual pilgrimages to the city of Jerusalem. And so today we begin with Psalm 120, the first of the Psalms. Now, imagine that the country of Israel is not that big, really. And when a festival was coming, you would know it because the farther away from Jerusalem, the earlier you would start your preparations, right? So there would be um, sandals being repaired and uh, baskets being woven and bread being baked and donkeys getting ready. And people would begin in faraway places making the preparations. And then the day would come and somewhere far away from Jerusalem, two people might leave one morning. And over here in another town, a family group, two families in fact, they noticed that someone else was also leaving that day, so they set out that day with donkeys and baskets and animals and roosters and all kinds of things going on, and they come to a crossroads, and look, there's another group joining them, and together they begin to travel on. It's a bit like going to a Blue Jays game in downtown Toronto. It's actually the day you want to avoid if you're not going to the game. You don't want to be going down down Toronto when a Blue Jays game is on because everyone is converging from all the different spokes to the hub of the wheel. This is going to Jerusalem for pilgrim festival time. And then they begin to talk with each other. They haven't seen each other for a while. How have you been? How is your daughter? How was that trouble you had last time? Someone talks about their troubles and their hope that God will hear their concerns, will listen and answer. And then somewhere up front, someone with a loud voice stands up and calls out as an encouragement. I took my troubles to the Lord. And everyone answers the same thing. And then they all stand up to get into it. Keep going. I called on him in my distress. And he answered my prayer. And he answered my prayer. Rescue me, O Lord. Rescue me, O Lord. From lying lips and from deceitful tongues. From lying lips and from deceitful tongues. O deceptive tongue, what will God do to you? O deceptive tongue, what will God do to you? How will he increase your punishment? How will he increase your punishment? He will punish you with sharp arrows. He will punish you with sharp arrows. And with burning coals of the broom bush. And with burning coals of the broom bush. How I suffer in far off Meshech. How I suffer in far off Meshech. It pains me to live in distant Kedar. It pains me to live in distant Kedar. 
Too long have I lived among those who hate peace. Too long have I lived among those who hate peace. I am for peace. I am for peace. But when I speak of peace, but when I speak of peace, they want war. They want war. You may be seated. Psalm 120 is the start of the pilgrimage. And it may seem like a strange place to start. What an unhappy psalm, right? It begins with dissatisfaction, it has lament in it, and it ends with war. I mean, what kind of a psalm is that to start our year off with, to start a journey off with? Can't we start with something a little more upbeat and encouraging? But the point of this psalm and the point of the journey is that it starts right where it's supposed to start. It starts, in fact, with dissatisfaction. It starts with a deep dissatisfaction about where I am, where I'm living, the place I am dwelling, the people I live among. Now take that metaphorically, not, not realistically here, although some of you may be already tired of that. But the place that I am living, the place where I am dwelling, the people I am among, the world I live in is exactly the place to start a journey. After all, why, why go away and take a sun vacation if you already live on a beach in Hawaii? Why go somewhere else if what you have is perfectly fine? The journey begins in problems and ills and issues that will prod us, that gnaw at us and will prod us just enough to start making that journey toward a better place. To say there must be more than this. I'm moving on no matter what it takes. I'm starting on a mission, on a journey. The psalmist is sick and tired of life, where he's living, the culture that he lives in. Maybe you can relate to that, to being sick and tired of lies and corruption. The, the, the psalmist is sick and tired of tongues that are gossiping and lying and slandering and, and trying to bring trouble all the time. He's tired of it. He's had enough of it. Maybe you experience that in family squabbles or maybe even in your church troubles where people take on characters, the complainers, the, the power brokers, the if you don't do this, I'm leaving kind of leavers, the people that we live among. Or maybe what you're sick and tired of is yourself. Your temple, your temper, your schedule, your own laziness, your addictions, your ambition, you're sick and tired of it. What are you sick and tired of? Too long have I lived, says the psalmist. Too long have I lived. Woe to me that I live in Meshach, far away from Palestine and God. Woe to me that I live so far away from the place where my troubles could be answered. Too long have I lived among people who don't honor God. I've lived in the tents of Kedar, a barbaric, warring tribe. Too long have I lived in a culture where I don't fit in. Enough of this already. I'm sick of sin. I'm sick of shame. I'm sick of trouble. 
I'm sick of injustice. I'm sick of being stuck here. Too much this week. Enough pain already. I'm going on a journey. What is the answer to being sick and tired? Well, the psalmist is going to Jerusalem. Going to God. It's probably important to know that Jerusalem means city of shalom, city of peace, city of God's peace, city of every good way that God imagined for this world and his people and himself to be at peace with one another, the city of peace. That's where I'm going. I'm leaving behind brokenness and going towards peace and wholeness. And then the the psalmist remembers that he had been in trouble before and he had called on the Lord and the Lord had answered him. And so he calls that out as an encouragement to those that are walking with him. I called on the Lord in my distress and he answered me, asking God to intervene. Save me, oh God, save me. Don't let me stay here. Don't make me live with myself forever and ever in this condition. Please, God, Take me somewhere else. I want to be where your perfect plans guide me, lead me in your way. The usual way the Bible talks about saying no to the world's lies and yes to God's truth is repentance. Turning your back on one way and starting a journey down another way the way towards God, leaving behind the trouble. The Psalms of Ascent start here with turning our back on something and turning towards God. But the New Testament starts there too. The good news in that sense starts there. Repent, say both Jesus and John the Baptist. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, says Peter at the end of his Pentecost sermon. Repentance is not an emotion. An emotion is just too easy to feel sorry for yourself. Don't confuse repentance with remorse. Remorse could be, shoot, look what I did, now I've been found out, and now I feel so bad that I've been found out, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry what? I'm sorry that I did it? No, I'm sorry that I've been found out, and everybody knows what I've done. That's remorse. That is not repentance. Repentance is laying face down before the throne of a holy God and saying, I'm so sorry, whatever you need to do to me, do to me, to revive me again, to bring me to life. Repentance is not an emotion, but a decision. It's a decision, a resolve. A flimsy emotion is not going to be enough to get you down to the journey, to peace, to wholeness, the pilgrimage, with its ups and downs and its challenges. It has to be more than an emotion. In fact, you know how the Bible talks about repentance? It's a death. It's a death. It's a laying myself down. It's, it's, a, it's a death to the sinful self. And the rebirth doesn't come because we're so great enough or our faith is so fine or we try so hard enough. The rebirth comes by the grace of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit. The resurrection power is God's to change us, to take the seed that has died in the ground and bring growth and renewal. Only God can do that. 
And so we repent. But death and repentance are not very popular topics, are they? Imagine if our Tyndale sign read like this. <laughs> Tyndale, University College and Seminary, where people die daily. Everyone welcome. But isn't that what would make us, what does make us, a place where the kingdom of God is at work, the kingdom that calls us to repentance, the kingdom that calls us to die, the kingdom that calls us to surrender all so that God's life, God's will, God's way can be done in this world. We die to ourselves. We die to sinful ways. We die to all those things in the world that would draw us away from following on God's mission for our lives. We lay ourselves down and we die. For that, we need help. And by God's grace, he provides it. We have company on our journeys. We have each other. Look around. I mean it. Look around. We have each other. We have brothers and sisters. We have a community. They smile at us. There is love, brotherly love, sisterly love. We have each other. And we have the Spirit. And we have Jesus. Because Jesus, too, was on a journey. Jesus, too, went to Jerusalem. Jesus journeyed there, but he talked not about peace. Although that Jerusalem is the city of peace, Jesus didn't talk about peace, but he talked about suffering. Not about wholeness, but about death. That's what he saw ahead of him, because the death he mentions is his own. No sooner does Peter in Matthew 16 say, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God, listen to that, the son of the living God, then Jesus says this. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things and that he must be killed. And one version says he set his face towards Jerusalem. Jesus began a mission, a journey towards Jerusalem, knowing what the outcome was and doing it in obedience to his Father and on our behalf. We are on a journey. We are leaving things behind to travel closer to God, to peace, to Jerusalem, the city of peace, wholeness. Alongside of us goes Jesus. We journey from strife, and Jesus journeyed towards beatings. We journey to peace, Jesus journeyed to suffering. We journey to God, and Jesus faced forsakenness. We journey to life, and Jesus journeyed to death, his death, for us, for our peace, for our cleansing, for our restoration. Let me lead you in prayer. And as we do so, I invite the worship team to come forward. Dear God, we are people on a journey, and our heart's desire is to be pilgrims who have a destination and a mission 
who have endurance, not flimsy emotions, and whose quest is not for ourselves, but for something beyond ourselves, for living out your kingdom, being the hands and feet of Jesus. Oh God, forgive us for being spiritual tourists, even as Christians running from one new thing to another new thing, from one church to another, from one prayer group, from one Bible study, seeking to satisfy ourselves. Take our hearts, we pray. Lead us in the way everlasting. Forgive us and cleanse us, that we may be a people who calls on your name and who can change the world through your power and by your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people say, amen.